There we go, we're recording. Hi, it's Lisa Morell here from Equine Alchemy. And welcome to all of you who are here with us live as I look at my dashboard. And those of you who are joining me in the chat. And those of you who are listening to the recording. So I did like to point out that for people who are online, you can uh, post your questions in the attendee chat anytime. As I said, we're gonna have plenty of time to have um, a, uh, a conversation about this case study because it's a it's a really good one I, I think um, I just want for those of you who don't know about these uh, case studies I started this a couple of years ago it seemed like an amazing modality for learning about what the application of all of the things that we learn here in the equine alchemy coach certification course it's a international coach Federation accredited course, the only one in the world that works with horses. So uh, it's sometimes a lot of information. And I know that some of you who are students and new students have, uh, have expressed that to me. So this is another way of uh, breaking down what exactly is happening and why did I do what? And so that's what we're gonna be looking at tonight. Let's just check in over here and see if we have Anyone? Okay. I like, uh, there's quite a few, <laughs> quite a few things I have to attend to here. All right. So, um, yeah, we have about 45 minutes or an hour here tonight to talk about Seamus and Sally. And by the end of this class, which by the way, is part of the equine assisted coach certification course, it's part of the curriculum. And so those of you who are joining that are not already part of the Equine Alchemy Herd, you get to join in with us. So welcome, welcome all to you. And by the end of this class, I am sure that you're going to have at least three, what we call masterful coaching tips. And what I, I call them that because they apply to any kind of coaching. Specifically, we're looking at with this tonight. And so we will have those coaching tips. Plus, we will have examples of how they were, how that I used them, so that you could actually begin using them right away. Uh, a student asked me the other day, "When should we start practicing what the, some of the things that we're learning?" And I said, "Start playing with this material uh, as soon as you can." The, of course, most important thing is safety for the horse and for you and for your client. So that's that's the big thing. And then uh, for those of you who are perhaps not only new to this, but aren't familiar with me, as I said, my name is Lisa Morrell and I have been doing this particular equine assisted coach training and certification at Equine Alchemy for about 10 years. This is our 10th anniversary. So that's pretty exciting. And we just keep evolving the program. The materials keep coming. They keep, it keeps being developed. So it's a very dynamic uh, way of personal development and leadership development and what I always say, transformation. In fact, the mission of Equine Alchemy is to raise the conscious awareness of the world through coaching and horses. And I invite you here tonight to experience some of that. So it's a really special invitation. I, I give these this whole class away to so many people because I feel like it's one of the most important things that can be happening in our society right now is to increase our level of awareness and to create connectivity 
to uh, so many more people. And so that's what I'm doing. My printer seems to have its own little uh, thing going on, so I just turned that off. We'll see if it actually does. There's a ghost in the machine. <laughs> All right, so what's possible from doing this work? As I said, personal development is one of the biggest outcomes of this work with horses, but there's so much more. As I said, transformation, leadership development, working with organizations. Somebody said they were going to be working with a sports team. So there are just ways for people to, to uh, explore themselves and their beliefs and their assumptions and find out so much more so that they can live more fully in their lives. We always try making this mind-body connection so that we can live our lives more fully and coaching helps us to understand what it actually is that we want to be doing and uh, so that's how we put together equine assisted coaching and i know as an entrepreneur sometimes it's it's uh it's tricky sometimes everything doesn't flow so smoothly when you're in charge but then I look at and I remember and I read some of the emails that I get and some of the beautiful gifts that people send me and talk about their own transformations that they've experienced. And I have no, no doubt that this work is so powerful and so important. So again, thank you for spending your time with me here tonight and all of the equine herd and all of the, the um, students that are here with me. And again, those of you who are listening to the recording. All right, so uh, as usual, what I like to do is to take a conscious breath. And this just gives us an opportunity. I know we've all had busy days. Some of you are in different parts of the world, so it may be a different time, but I still invite you to take a very conscious breath. Just taking a moment to honor this present moment and your space in it. Notice where you feel like you might be connected. Notice where maybe you don't feel as connected as you would like to be and just breathe into it with self-compassion and with intention of clearing and being present. I ask you to do this and invite you into it because it's a way of being more present and more aware. And when we listen to this information from that place, it will come in to us in a different way and we will receive it differently. So we're already doing the work with the horses and the horses aren't even here in the room. So this is one of the things that I like about doing this work. All right, I just want to check in on the dashboard again, see if I have any messages. Uh, no, not right now. Okay, but you know that that chat is there and I'm going to give people microphones who are on the phone uh, after we finish. So let's take a look at these masterful coaching tips. Let me just kind of talk about them a little bit and then we'll see where they show up in this work that support when you are a coach and especially with equine assisted coaching support is critical for even the most veteran horse people. There's always going to be the opportunity or possibility of someone who says, oh, I already know how to do that. I don't need to worry. You don't have to even think about me because I know how to do all of this. And uh, that's not the case. 
every situation and moment is different. And any of you who have horses know that every single moment that you're in relationship with the horse, you have to decide it, what's happening in this moment. And so what do I need and what do uh, does my horse need, whether you're on the ground or you're on his back. Next, a masterful coaching tip. You don't always have to go into the container, uh, the round pen. This is in particular what we were working with. In fact, sometimes you should not go into an enclosed area with your horse, with the client, or have the client go in. So tonight's case study will help us to understand a little bit more about what does that look like when you have to make that decision? When is that decision needed? And then thirdly, when we as equine assisted coaches, what do we need to do when we feel like our client is not getting it? Now, this is something that is often a masterful coaching tips and uh, tip in these conscious coaching case studies because it's something we always have to look at. Uh, it's so easy for us to feel like the coaching is about us. And whereas it's important for us to be aware of how we feel, it's about the client. So they may be getting it. It's kind of like when they're in the round pen or the experience with the horse, we have no idea what's happening. We can see how we feel, we can depend on our bodies, but this experience is for the client themselves. And it's for us as coaches to witness that or just observe what we're thinking or what we're feeling and then make a decision on um, how that can support the coaching session. So we'll look at that too, okay? So let's get started. First of all, I'm gonna take a little drink of water here. And I just wanna check in. Yeah, there's a couple more people have joined. Welcome to you. All right, Sally, I had sent this by the way. So you all kind of have the, the basics of the case study, but I'm, obviously there's gonna be a lot more commentary on what happened, okay? So Sally was a veteran horsewoman. She was also a riding instructor who knew horses well. So what could go wrong, right? This is what the first masterful coaching tip is about. What do you do with, uh, or what do you need to do or not do with somebody who's a veteran? As I always say, every moment is an opportunity for something. And that moment, no matter her history with Seamus, uh, the big gelding that we're gonna talk about, was an opportunity for Sally to understand how she was impacting her world in a big way. Interestingly, her entire issue that day was about not having any power over her relationship with her husband, right? So uh, it was a very challenging day for her, very challenging experience because she felt as though, again, this is the presenting issue, she felt like she didn't have any power over what was happening with her and her husband and what was happening in her marriage. And yet she was impacting this situation in such a big way but her level of awareness didn't always allow her to see this. So as we went to the gate to do our body scan and prepare for the round session with Seamus, he started racing around the round pen. This is only a 60 foot round pen, so that's not very big, especially for him. And he was probably 17 hands, 17 one. He's probably only four, four or five years old. I mean, I knew that horse since he was born, so I, he, I knew that he was okay to work with. Plus, I thought he was working with somebody I didn't have to worry about. So this is another part of these, uh, this uh, case study, 
is that we think we don't have to worry about things or we don't have to take into consideration when actually we do. So uh, as he was running around at breakneck speed, uh, I was just kind of looking around and wondering what should happen. Because of course we hadn't gone in yet and I knew her and all of a sudden the landscape had changed. So up until that point, it didn't really occur to me that Sally would not go into the round pen. I mean, I hadn't even considered that. And I'd already had one participant not go in because she didn't feel safe. And it wasn't with uh, this particular horse, it was someone else. It was a hearing impaired uh, young woman and she didn't feel like she felt safe enough to go into the round pen, which I encouraged her uh, vulnerability uh, and her to really honor that within herself. So this particular horse and situation was very different than that. But I thought that uh, this gave her not going in. The other person actually gave the group permission not to go into the round pen. But I certainly didn't expect that it would be Sally. So, oh, he was six. He wasn't four. Sorry, I didn't realize I put this put this in here. Yeah, he was he was a big boy. I wasn't quite sure what was happening, but his energy was so big that I didn't even consider going into the round pen uh, myself or Sally or anybody. He just, because he just continually kept going around and around and around. And I was aware that suddenly that what I thought would be a non decision about Sally and her experience became a real need for discernment on my part as the coach, right? Remember what I said? Every opportunity is uh, a moment for something to happen. And my belief and assumption that I went into the coaching session with was that everything was going to be fine the way I thought fine was. So this is the masterful coaching tip. Be very aware of the assumptions that you go into the session with so that uh, you can allow them to not cloud your decision making for being in service to this particular client. So without mentioning much to Sally, other than something like, wow, I wonder what's going on with him because we knew this horse, both of us. And uh, then I began the body scan, but I stood well away from the gate because uh, I did not want obviously any of us to be hurt or uh, to upset Seamus with the energy that was going on already. So it was clear that Sally was out of sorts. Her face and her body were constricted as was her breathing. However, she was trying to act as though everything was okay. Now I knew this woman and this is something a lot, a lot of students ask me, a lot of my students, coaching students, uh, should they work with somebody that they know? Well, it depends. In the beginning, it's safer in some respects to work with someone that you know. And uh, so that's a good place to start. However, again, if you go into a coaching session with someone you know, you have this set of assumptions. And so that's going to impact what's going to happen. So that's another reason why it may not be such a good idea to do. But if you can look at your assumptions and let them go, then that's great. It's a great exercise in doing that and being able to be in the present moment and see what is happening. So I knew that Sally was in a mess. I could hear her, I could see her. And the thing is, she didn't want to talk about what was really going on. 
she didn't have this whole cathartic this is what's happening and i'm so upset and all of that she she didn't want to do any of that she was just she didn't want to do the body scan she didn't want to do anything that we were talking about and uh, i continued although with the body scan uh, and kept asking her questions about what was going on. So here's another coaching tip that we didn't even talk about. Okay, she didn't even want to do the body scan. She was just so upset. Well, I went ahead and did it anyway. I felt like it was so important for her to get into her body. And uh, I wanted her to breathe as a way of her calming down, but obviously of calming Seamus down as well. And so as we were talking about what her body was saying in the body scan, she would just escalate into her head about whatever was going on. The energy would just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then she began to speak angrily of what was happening finally, as after we'd gone into her body about what was going on with her husband. And I would notice, hmm, when she starts getting big, that's when Seamus starts getting bigger himself. So there was a direct parallel going on there. So continuing, I, myself as a coach, to be hyper aware of the group and Sally, because that's one of the things, if you're a coach and you are working with a, pri a, a private client, that's very different than if you have a group of people that are over here and they're in being impacted by the whole thing as well, probably being quite triggered by, uh, by the uh, possibility of anybody getting hurt and they're uh, triggering them about when their emotions escalate and not knowing what to do because a lot of people don't have any idea what to do with their emotions and that's um, one of the most important parts of working with horses is the language of emotions and what kind of impact they have on us so i was aware of her and i was aware of the group and i was aware of sally and i was aware of me and so i asked my co-facilitator by the way this is another thing that there was a group, I think we were about eight or nine of us. So I had a co-facilitator. I wasn't doing this on my own and I had a horse handler. So that's an important thing. And this is the reason why, because I asked my co-facilitator to go quietly over to the group and help them to breathe and help bring the energy down and as gently and powerfully as they could. And I wanted to make sure that they weren't contributing to the energy that was going on in the unconscious way. And so that actually helped the situation. And meanwhile, I could still pay attention with Sally. And I continued to ask her to go back to her breath and if she could feel her feet on the ground. That's always a great way to help somebody who's escalating to come back into their body. And she would calm down and so would Seamus. And he would walk calmly and he would even stop at the gate because he knew her. And of course say hello, plus he was very social anyway. I intentionally waited for her to notice the coincidence of Seamus's behavior with her own, but she really wasn't in her body, which by the way, was another reason not to go inside. A lot of coaches say, well, when do you, do you point this out? Do you point this out that this is what is happening or do you just wait for them to notice it? Which is tied into what do you do if the client isn't getting it? Well, I just was waiting. I wanted to see and feel myself. Now that I knew that my co-facilitator had uh, worked with the group and, and they were being taken care of, then I could be here with Sally. I could be here with Seamus. I could feel myself completely 
being more present. And so I could, once I pulled that down into my body, then I could trust what needed to happen or what needed to be revealed in the coaching session. And what was happening is that uh, she wasn't aware of what was happening. And so as we continued, something would set Sally off again, getting, getting her angry and giving into her frustration over the situation and Seamus would begin racing around. So we kept doing this and she still didn't seem to notice it. Finally, because I wanted to, um, I wanted everybody to be safe, especially Seamus, because he was the one that was doing most work. Um, I, uh, I pointed it out and she looked and she remarked on it and then he would calm down as she was looking and then remarking on it. And then she would go back into her head and her emotions and off he would go. So even after I pointed it out, she would see it and it actually happened right then. She'd go, okay, I'm present. I'm in my body. Although I don't know that she actually said that, but she was because she had to look and remark on what was happening with the horse. But she, she, she couldn't really stay there, which is often very, much the case even if we have one moment of aha it's very challenging to stay there so this was an opportunity for sally to concretely witness her impact on a relationship remember the first part was that she was so angry that she had no power over her relationship with her husband but she couldn't seem to take this opportunity and this happens and this was her experience it was not my experience to try to get her to get it right I'm getting caught up in my my cords here I'm getting excited about what happened okay uh but she couldn't get it she couldn't get out of her own way and that often happens for us how many times do you feel like you've gotten in your own way and you couldn't get out because you weren't sure how you were in it well sally's story was so important to her that she didn't have any power that she just couldn't be present in the present moment. And so that was uh, a big aha for me. However, it wasn't er, her aha. So finally I suggested we go and sit down feeling that Seamus really needed a break. <laughs> and this is another point of discernment that's really important for the coach. If my story of being a good coach means that the client got it, and continued to press Sally. Maybe Seamus would have jumped out of the round pen. He could have hurt himself. He could have done anything. Started, and I have seen this happen, bang up against the round pen. But I had to let go of what I not only thought about Sally and what would happen, but what role she was going to play and what role I was going to play. I had to let go of everything so that I could be present in the moment, which was not the very thing she was not doing, is letting go and being present in the moment. So somebody had to, so that was me. And uh, so I didn't press her. In any case, I couldn't see and sense that Sally was gonna go anywhere near this. And as her human coach, I needed to meet her where she was. And she was in her head and I needed to support that because that's where she is. That's part of coaching. You must be able to discern where your client is and meet them there. Your job is not to try to move them anywhere. It's to meet them where they are. It's from that place of support in that present moment that anything can happen. Anything else is your 
effort as a coach in your story. It's not theirs. So I continued the coaching at the chairs with the group, even involving the rest of the group. But for that moment, Sally couldn't allow herself to be vulnerable enough to open up to the community. So if I thought she was <clears throat> uh, constricted and tight, because we knew each other quite well, and we were away from hearing distance at the gate of the round pen, you can imagine what it was like when we actually sat down with the group. She just couldn't let go. I allowed her to really vent and hold that space for her when we sat down, not having to be concerned about Seamus, just wanted to hold her at the space where she could be. And, uh, <clears throat> and I also needed to hold the energy for the rest of the group as well. It was important that they, as participants, could find some release and lessen their anxiety. So as I was allowing her and holding the space for Sally to just be where she was, there was no tension. There was no anxiety. There was only what she was feeling. And for the group, they saw that I was calm. Seamus was calm. Everything must be all right. So the whole energy and dynamic of the group shifted as a result of my being able to hold the space. And that's what you need to do as a coach, whether it's with somebody privately or, or if it is with the entire group or <clears throat> more than one participant. And um, as much as I liked, I would have liked for Sally to gain insight from coach Seamus, certainly as her friend, but certainly as a client as well. I, I know that it was not gonna happen that day. But by allowing what wanted to happen and being congruent with that, the pressure and the anxiety were gone, leaving the group and Seamus breathing easily. And what did Sally take away from the session? Well, according to her, not much. How did I feel as a coach? I was okay knowing I had held a safe and sacred space of possibility for all, honoring the client where she was, something that as a young coach, I don't think I could have done. Looking at Shavitz, gently breathing and looking over my shoulder from the round pen, I knew everything was just as it should be at that moment. So there you go. Let's take a breath and uh, I'm gonna take a drink. And so I would love to hear your questions, to hear your comments. I'd like for you to go into yourself and see, feel, notice what really resonated with you about that. And what I'm gonna do here, if I can get my mouse to move, is I'm going to give people microphones. For those of you, let's see here. This will give you a moment to ponder what you were feeling, what you what resonated with you, or what you learned, or what shocked you. Not that I intend to be shocking. I'm just going down the list here. Hello. 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 Who is this? Who is, who is this? There's two or three people trying to talk. That's okay. Who Who is the one that said hello? Well, I said hello. Oh, that's Diane. Hi, Diane. Diane. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. How are you, dear? 
<laughs> I'm I'm really good. I'm out here with Charlie. Oh, Charlie is gorgeous. I posted on Instagram today a little video of you and Charlie. Oh, really? Yeah, you'll have to look at oh. it. Okay, so Diane, uh, as yeah. a, Diane, by the way, Diane Loffman is a level two equine alchemy. Uh, she's a graduate and she's going on to level two. She's also a therapist. So what did you notice or what resonated with your questions in, about this particular case study? Well, uh, for me, what kept re resonating and kept repeating over and over again was the letting go on your part, the mm. letting go, the necessity of, well, the necessity of the coach being able to let go of the need to be successful, to have that, to, to be something, to have that, and, and really to be able to really on such a deep level connect with wherever my client is. Um, I just, I love that about coaching. I just, I'm very, I got very excited when you were talking about that because I really love that about coaching. That, that, that there's no, the result is not the, I mean, it may be, there may be a result and that's lovely, but the, the connection. And the other thing for me was the awareness of self, that self-management, and awareness of the other, mm -hmm. being able to connect with her where she was, and the absolute congruent awareness of the group, of the horse, of the round pen, of the environment in general. I'm so loving those three levels of awareness that that you this is that the equine alchemy like brought me to that, and it was it, that that has forever resonated with me. So yeah, that those are my things. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so important to, okay. Uh, as a coach to redefine success, to be aware of what you feel, that's those assumptions to redefine success for you, uh, what that means. And that is your own, our own thing. And we don't need to take that into the client. So, uh, you know, there's just so much that we have going on here that we need to figure out what it is and be aware of it, not judge it, just uh, decide, is that appropriate for that particular situation? Thank you, Diane. Who else? Michelle, I muted you, I kept hearing noise. So if you wanna talk, I'll, I'm unmuting you. Was there someone else? Oh, this is Lisa. Patty. This is Linda. Yes, go, go ahead, Patty. Um, oh, I, I was wanted to second Diane's because I, I mean, that is just so hard sometimes to, uh, as the coach, to keep yourself in that space. And I have, wow, that really, really impressed me because it's so easy to try to be responsible for the client you know, having the experience that they said that they wanted to have. And I mean, I'm just sitting here going, oh, my God, that's so hard sometimes to stay in that place. And that's, that's a tremendous story It's for you to share with us because I, to, sometimes that could be one of the hardest things. To not wow. feel like a failure when the client doesn't have an outcome that, you know, they said or you think they should have. So, mm -hmm. wow. Awesome. 
Great, thank you. Thank you, Patty. Okay, Linda, what, what were you saying? Well, I think what stands out for me is just um, the, the judgment all week for me is just, I've been practicing, you know, not making judgment, whether it's working with the new horse that I'm working with or a client mm -hmm. So and, and not judgment on myself either. So just really being in that state of noticing, being aware, and then just not placing judgment on it. Um, it mm. Yeah, it's just reiterating that for me. Right, right. And especially because if you're working on the, uh, with this new horse that you were talking about last night, mm -hmm. you're not judging that horse, mm -hmm. right? Well, Are you well, judging I fed horse? Him the, well, no, I, well, I could have <laughs> this morning when I fed him, he tried to spin around and he, he pinned his ear spin around and put his butt towards me. And I, it would have been really easy to freak out on it. And I just said, hmm, mm -hmm. really interesting. And I made sure I was safe, but um, I had a, a, a client there with me, not a coaching client, but a, another type of client. And he's, he, you know, he was like, well, you know, if this is dangerous, why did you not respond? And so we got into this whole judgment thing. I'm not, I, I know where this horse has come from. And so I'm not going to judge him on how other people probably handled that same, same situation. So I was totally different. And the horse was like, wait a minute, she didn't move, you know? So it's just, yeah, just practicing that. Yeah. Yeah, very in a safe manner. I'm so happy you didn't judge yourself. Yeah, <laughs> good for you. Yeah, so that was another thing. Um, again, we have to let go of this preconceived notion that we have to be a certain way, uh, perfect, <laughs> before we can be with a client. And again, it's showing that vulnerability when appropriate, that will give them permission. Remember in this, I said for the group, there was a, a young woman who was hearing impaired who decided not to go in the round pen. And it was a very important time for the group because they were all feeling their own level of anxiety, whether it's uh, uh, performance anxiety or um, just being afraid around horses or whatever. And uh, when they can feel that it's okay to feel it lowers the anxiety level for everyone. So if you were to pretend with this horse that, you know, you got it all covered, you got it here, you got it there, or whatever you decided to do, it's not in service of the client. It just reinforces your story and perhaps their story as well. So thank you for that, Linda. Who else? This is Sean. I have a question. Hi, Sean. Hello. Yes. I was interested in is how, and when you explained it, it seemed like you've kept in the flow. It, it seemed very fluid. But at the time, I thought, how in the world are you at the outset evaluating your own body scan, evaluating what's going on personally in the same space as the client who says, I know this horse, I'm, I, I'm ready to go in, I'm gonna, I got this, I got it handled, but still keep that fluid momentum in, and also be aware of the participants that we're watching to take the time to say, 
gee, are they at a lower anxiety level and how that processes? Yeah, it's a great question. Our own bodies are going to tell us exactly what's happening if we just listen to it. It's a, a, a practice, emotional agility, to respond to it in a way that is uh, immediate, appropriate, fluid, whatever. So it takes practice for that. One of the things in, in working with the horses is that um, <laughs> Seamus left no room for uh, any question about the level of anxiety. So he confirmed for me immediately, which is what they do, uh, the level of anxiety. And uh, so I was on high alert, but that one of the things that people who have, and many clients are gonna be like this, and perhaps there's many of the students like this, anybody who has experienced trauma can be hypervigilant, but they cannot be present at the same time. So you can be on high alert like horses and be present at the same time. So that's kind of how I can explain that. But also remember, Sean, I have been leading groups for 20 years. So I am used to looking at the pulse of everybody in the group. The biggest difference for me in doing that, that I found when I worked with the horses, is that I wasn't paying any attention to what I was feeling. I was only paying attention to the group. So I got really good at that. Oh, I, didn't throw out the, I didn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. It just took me uh, a, a lot of work to be able to do that with myself as well. Interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Great question. Who else? Hey, Who Lisa, else? it's Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Uh, what was really interesting for me was uh, the whole idea of you um, assuming, for lack of a better word, that you knew sort of, okay, so I have this person with this experience. I know this horse from this previous experience. Um, so we can just, that's okay. So we know how that's going to go. She's going to go in. That's not going to be really a big issue. And then, then coming up against, oh, wait, I decided that this was not going to be an issue. And well, wait, this is an issue. This wasn't supposed to be an issue. So what goes over in my mind is, so this is now an issue that actually, um, happened to me when um, I tried my first practice uh, client quote best friend quote um, victim I brought her over to the barn and uh, I said she's going to help me with this and so that was it was interesting because I kind of did the same thing she had previous experience with horses so I just figured and she had never she didn't even express any kind of anxiety so it's so super interesting that this came up at this time because I was really listening intently to what you did and how you processed that because I experienced the same thing. And I thought, oh gosh, I didn't even, I just assumed because she, and I know the horse, I know her, and she hasn't expressed any kind of anxiety. And her level of, um, what do you say? Not anxiety, the, the level of- Arousal? Uh, yes, the level of arousal was like a two. 
like like two or three. And then when I said, so, so you'll be in the middle and I'll be on the outside. And she's like, all of a sudden I could feel her anxiety shoot up to like a 25. And I thought Mm -hmm. about Diane. I was like, okay, so I can go. So do you want me to go with you? She's like, yes, your horse is 16.3. He's huge. And I'm like, ah. So it's interesting that you, that that came up too. I was very interested to see how, you know, how you handled that and that it's okay she didn't go in and that you release yourself from judging as far as, because that would mean something about you as a coach or the fact that she didn't go in or the fact that she might not have had the most full experience not going in and that it was, her experience was to be outside the round pen and that was not a reflection on you or really a judgment on anybody. No, not at all. Yeah, great, great awareness. And so that just the fact that you had your own set of assumptions and you can and you can recognize them um, can tell everybody no matter what you think you're okay, I'm going to plan this and I'm going to plan that and this horse will be for this person and this horse will be for that person. You've got to start somewhere. But you have to be present in the moment when you get there. So it doesn't mean don't have a plan. It just means have a plan and see what happens. That's what that means. So um, that's great. Yeah, I, you don't have to go inside the round pen. That It's a really funny thing. But uh, yeah, the energy we're working with is so much bigger than that. So that's great. I'm glad that you had the opportunity to have that experience and that you're playing around with this, Michelle. That's really great. So thank you. Let's see who else has something they want to share or they noticed or questions. That's it. Hmm. Okay. All right. So um, I guess what I would like to know is uh, what you are taking away from this case study that's going to help you um, be a better coach. And I'd love especially to listen to hear it from some of the people too. I'm going to, let's see who, Denise, I know you're on here. I can tell that area code. And then there is a 704. I'm not sure who 704 is. That might be. Can you hear me? Yes. This is- oh, this is Jerry. I didn't know if you could hear me or not. Jerry Sedman. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome to the call. So what did you hear? Or is there something that you're wanting to take away that's going to help you to be a better coach or not? Now I can't hear you. Okay. uh, Yeah, let me get it off mute again. Um, For me, it was just the whole um, release that we sometimes, I, I, not we, I sometimes do evaluate whether the person is getting a message that seems to be loud and clear to me and it doesn't necessarily sink into them and to just adjust 
to what is best for the client versus me trying to achieve, you know, this wonderful event with a horse. And, you know, I think the fact that you were able to let the person take care of what she needed to take care of outside the arena, mm-hmm. you know, that, that seemed to be what worked. So that that really was helpful for me to hear that. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. It became more about what was going to happen with the group than what was going to happen for her. Mm-hmm. I noticed that because, as I said in the case, it, it wasn't going to happen that day. It was just really clear that she, her story was so important to her. However, mm-hmm. the dynamic, that's why I always tell people when there's a group, people are not just sitting around waiting for their turn. They have the opportunity at that moment, how they're viewing it, how they're experiencing the experience of someone else can give them incredible insight into how they view their world and interact with their environment. So their lens on what's happening. And they can also learn about energy management and what to look for. There's so much that people who are just sitting around in a group can learn if they allow themselves to be part of the present moment rather than waiting for their turn. So that's how I have always consulted with when I was just working with humans. So looking at systems and dynamics and all of that. So that's the way I ask and invite people to be in the groups that I work with, to be in the present moment, to see what, how they're responding, what that says about them or what can they learn about themselves from that. So there came a point where the particular woman in the round pen, Sally, was not the one who was having the experience. It was the other, it was the group. Mm -hmm. I do have another question about the body check. Sure. Um, I also do that in every one of my sessions um, as part of the introduction. Mm -hmm. And I um, I had a group and just for background, they were all commanding officers at a, a training, army training camp. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the first time ever when I did that, that when I afterwards said, did anybody notice a particular area that they were sensing anything? And everyone in the group said they did not have an area. <laughs> there was nothing, no tension, nothing. <clears throat> and that was a group of 12 people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, of course, I didn't push it, but I was wondering if you've ever had that or, um, of course, I did go ahead and talk about breathing, not only ahead of time, but in the arena when we were working also. Oh, yeah, I've had that. I've had one CEO tell me, yeah, what, is my knee going to tell me what stock I'm supposed to buy? He was not only not feeling anything, but being uh, quite uh, sarcastic about it. Wow. What I learned. So this is the whole group, all twelve of them. Oh, and I had that, that was what was so unusual for me. Usually, somebody in the group responds. Well, they probably had some feelings, but unless one person was going to say it, they didn't feel the permission to say anything. So what? Yeah. If, when you get to that point, especially it was an intact group, Terry. Um, well, they, um, not necessarily. I mean, they all report it to the same person, I guess. Okay. All right. That's even more. So for me, 
when I'm in those situations and working with businesses and uh, teams and or just groups, that gives me information. And so I, um, I would probably at that point, if I hadn't already made a decision, just like you said, you just start talking about the breath and the breathing and, and what uh, impact it may or may not have on what you're doing. Because there's a lot of scientific stuff that can mm -hmm. uh, support that. So that would just give mm -hmm. me information about the culture. It would give me information about how to meet them where they are and not make them wrong. But a military culture is not a culture that can feel. I mean, one of the things that I, I worked with quite a few veterans and what I found is the less I say or ask, the better it is just mm -hmm. because it is uh, between the horse and the veteran. It's the trauma that they have experienced is nonverbal in the body. Mm -hmm. And the military is not a culture that recognizes feeling. In fact, well, they do it. And, and just to clarify, this was probably the fourth or fifth group of uh, military officers that I had conducted. Mm -hmm. and, and it was the first time, I mean, all the other ones there were several people that would speak, that, you know, shout out, yeah, I really feel it in my neck or my gut or mm -hmm. uh, my knees somewhere. I, it was just the first time ever in anything where no one responded. And the, their their off, uh, commanding officer was not in the room. Was, um, they were peers. Interesting. It gives you information about the dynamics of that group. That's where you Yeah, know. yeah. It was very interesting. Yeah, but it sounds like but you just to, just to follow up on it, though, at the end when I say, you know, what was your biggest takeaway? Several people talked about breathing and the impact of that and the nonverbal. So I thought, right. well, they might not have gotten it outside, but they got it when they were in here with the horse. Of course. <clears throat> of course. Oh, good. Yeah. That's wonderful. I'm glad you're doing that work. They need all the help they can get. I'm serious. I'm not saying that in a sarcastic way. So great. Well, thank you for that, Jerry. Let's see. There's somebody in the chat who told me something. Uh, Joined late, so just listening. Don't know. You can hear me. Not sure if my mic is on. I don't hear you, Denise, but I can read your your chat. <laughs> go back here again. All right. Uh, did you mute yourself? Can you mute your unmute yourself? I think it's star six or I don't know, because you are not muted from me. Uh, let's see. Anyway, so I guess that's it. Uh, you can certainly um, say something in the chat again, Denise, or I will see you very soon. Yes, we're having the roll, five rolls of the Master Herder at the end of the month, 29th through 31st. This is going to uh, just really go very deeply into looking at what group coaching is like and how uh, to specifically work with the role, the five roles of the Master Herder, Linda Kohana's book. And it really attends to what we're talking about in terms of managing the group. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's gonna be a really fun thing, but we also are learning a lot about this self-management that everybody was talking about. Uh, knowing how we're feeling, knowing what needs to happen or not happen, how do we meet the client where they are, 
what does that look like, meaning what they are. And in this Five Rows of the Master Herder, we're going to be actually exploring all of that through this amazing leadership model of Linda's. So I'm very much looking and, and we're going to be doing it with a beautiful and talented herd of coaches. Yes, that that's are, Diane. Yeah. We're doing this outside of Atlanta with her with her uh, herd that are so amazing, so beautiful and so amazing. Okay, I'm checking, I'm just checking Denise's. That was recorded right. Yes, this is recorded. So uh, any of you please uh, who are here live, you can listen to it again as well as to uh, those of you who are listening to the recording. So let's see. All right then. Well, I am just. I have uh, one. I have one question. I have one question regarding sure. the five roles. Since we've got some people on here, I wasn't sure if we still had any spaces open for that particular workshop. Um, yes, we we have one more space left in this workshop. That is it. We have one more space, and um, I. I was really wanting to let people know that you can reach out to me. I'm just looking at my notes here. You can reach out to me, uh, Lisa at equinealchemy.com if you want to talk about it, or you can just check it out at equinealchemy.com forward slash five, the number five roles dash GA. And you can take a look at it all. No, I won't be offering this again in this format. I am going to be incorporating uh, a new offer next year, which will, it's just a preview. I will be, it's a four month course where I am teaching all of my many decades of organization development and uh, executive coaching, uh, equine assisted uh, coaching for leadership development. So I'll be including the five roles in that but you'll hear more about that later. But for this time, we just have one more spot. So I would love to have you join us in August 29th through 31st. We'll spend Halloween together. All right. So does anybody else have anything that they would like to share about what you're taking away or questions or just anything before we close the call? All righty. Thank you all again so much for spending your time here. And it's just such an honor to have uh, this herd together. And um, I wish you all a lovely evening. And I will be posting this uh, recording. I will be sending it to everyone uh, tomorrow. So you'll be have a chance to look at it again. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Bye. Good night. <laughs>